Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a deceased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, um, are any of you familiar with, uh, it's kind of a game, it's called Bean Boozled. Have you ever heard of that? You're probably familiar with jelly beans, right? Most people know what jelly beans are, whether you like them or not. And Jelly Belly, you know, kind of like the Cadillac of jelly beans, right? They have all these wonderful, tasty flavors and so forth. Well, in Bean Boozled, if you're not familiar with the game, Uh, They have a bunch of their wonderful, yummy flavors like, you know, chocolate pudding or peach or birthday cake or one of my favorites, buttered popcorn. That may sound gross to you, but I don't know why. I love the buttered popcorn one. Well, but in the game, there are also other jelly beans uh, that have other flavors that are less desirable. Things like spoiled milk, canned dog food, uh, stink bug. What does a stink bug taste like? And others, okay? But the crazy thing is uh, the the nasty jelly beans uh, look exactly like the jelly beans that have all the really yummy flavors. And I guess it's like a Russian roulette kind of game, right? You take it. I mean, this game's been in my house, and it still has the wrapper on it, so you can tell how fired up we are to try to guess what they are. But Jesus is, uh, is warning us uh, about the stinky jelly beans. But more, more seriously than jelly beans, he's warning us about false teachers, false prophets, who, who look like the genuine article, who look like something that we should listen to or sound like that we should listen to, but yet they share a message that's not true. Sometimes that message is intentionally, vindictively a lie intended to deceive people. Sometimes it's an individual who's sharing that who's just not grounded in the truth of the word and they're sharing something that looks more like the world than what's in the scriptures. So Jesus is saying to beware. And there's some truth that we have so that we can be discerning believers and not listen to the false prophets, but know who they are and listen to the truth of God's word. But before we jump into the text, let's pray again. Father, we need your help. We always need your help. As we open your word, we need your Holy Spirit to teach us all things. So would you open our eyes this morning to the truth of your word? Would you help us to be discerning believers, to know the truth that's found in your word and discern the difference between what's true and what's not true? And I pray, Lord, that you would guard us as a church as there are just crazy amounts of messages that are coming at us every day. And I pray, Lord, that you keep our eyes on Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Well, we come to the text, and Jesus says, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. So what's a prophet? A prophet is someone who proclaims a revelation, proclaims a divine revelation, specifically in Scripture, proclaims a revelation that comes from God. So we know about prophets from the Old Testament and then the truth that comes to us in the New Testament. And false prophets would be those who proclaim something that is not from God. Something that is deceptive, that might look like it might come from God, but it's not actually from God. And it's something that could harm us or lead us astray. So Jesus is saying, beware. Kind of like you see signs that say beware, right? Maybe you travel on vacation somewhere and there's a sign that says, beware of falling rocks. So the road looks fine. Everything looks fine. But a boulder could come flying down. I really don't know how you're going to like get out of the way as you be aware of a falling rock. I've, just, I've wondered that every time I'm going down the road. I just kind of sweat it the whole time. But, but you're aware. You're being attentive that something could come up. Or maybe you're in Florida just going for a jog, and you see a sign that says, beware of alligators. Right? I just don't see those signs when I'm running around creeks and the lake around here. But down there, you want to be attentive. Don't run too close to the edge because there's creatures that would like to eat you. So beware. Jesus is saying beware, not of some animal, but beware of a message that could be shared with you that is false. And he's saying beware because it's not always apparent. I mean, oftentimes we understand when, when something's super clear and wrong, but he's saying beware of the things that don't look clear. It's not like in, in the old black and white movies where where you had individuals who were the bad guys and the good guys, right? The bad guys and the good guys. What color did the bad guys wear, right? They always wore something dark or black. So as soon as they come on the scene, the music changes, and you're like, that's the bad guy, right? And the good guys, they wear something nice. Of course, I, I wanted to wear the good guy clothes, right? They have something bright colored or white. Bad guy, good guy, bad guy, good guy. It's clear, no one is just wondering throughout those old movies who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. But false prophets are subtle. False prophets, false teachers come looking like it should be good. They sound like it should be good. It sounds like we should listen to them or be attentive to them. And so... Jesus saying, beware, and he gives us some tools to recognize what a false prophet would be. Because he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I mean, that's quite the picture, like the picture of, of the wolf, you know, putting on the sheep's clothing, going into places where they're going to just, just tear animals apart. That's the, the picture that Jesus gives but he teaches us how do we recognize these false prophets, these false messengers. Look at verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now, 
we, to, to understand this, we must understand the, the context um, in, in the first century where, where Jesus was, if there were thorn bushes, I mean, for us, we kind of think of thorny things like the, the thorns that are on roses, and we just don't have too many things that have, have thorns on them that have berries that you just want to eat, right? But in the first century, the thorn bushes, they had these berries on them that from a distance, from a distance, they looked like grapes, Right? They look like these berry things. They look like grapes. From a distance, do these look like grapes? Because they are grapes. But from a distance, they would look like grapes. But when you would get closer to them and examine them, you realized, oh, these these aren't grapes. These are just uh, uh, the berry that comes from the thorn bush. And so, too, are the false prophets. We distinguish what's true from what's false by examining the fruit, by examining the fruit of the ministry, by examining the fruit of the message, as we'll talk about in a little bit, by examining the fruit of the life of the person who's giving the message. And there's a clear warning to be cautious when you see some of these things. And we're going to specifically talk about the fruit of the message in a bit, but also starting with the fruit of their character. You want to consider the fruit of the character of the individual who's sharing the message. Look at verses 17 and 18. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So it's not saying there's no fruit. It's not a dead tree. There's some life to it. But yet there's fruit that's coming out of it. Is it good or is it bad? So a wolf can, can wear sheep's clothing, back to verse 15, 16, uh, but it cannot grow a sheep's coat. It's possible to put grapes on thorns, but the thorn bushes can't grow the grapes. So we need to observe the character of the messenger, and we need to be cautious to not be misled by appearances. Like I said before, we're rarely led astray by the, the obvious bad guy. You know, think of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. If you've ever watched it or read the books, it, no one thinks the orc is a good guy, right? there ugly, you get the sense that they just smell, and they don't have all their teeth, and they're just evil to their core. No one goes, I wonder, I wonder if what he's saying is true. No, you don't do that. But as you navigate the story, there's a different character who is, he's a wizard, he's called Saruman, and he's dressed in white. He's got a big long beard, and he talks with great wisdom, and his voice is deep. And you just want to believe him, but then you discover, no, he is submitted to the dark lord. And, you know, all the, I don't have all the details, but yet he is not a good guy. Just because he wears the white robe and he sounds like he's, he's sharing something true, he is not. And so you look at the fruit of their life. The false teacher amazes people with their speaking ability but their doctrine and the ethics of their life, their life have, have flaws to them. 
Now, sometimes we can let the test of time go on and we can, we can discern and see what's going on. Sometimes we have that opportunity to watch their, their life. That's why it's so helpful to be a part of a local church, not just get the teaching that you, you get for your soul from watching YouTube videos of pastors that you will never know, or you may not even know anyone that ever knows them. Not that it's wrong to do that. I listen to messages and, and, and read books from great theologians. But being a part of a local church, you can know who's teaching. You can, you can watch the character of their life. You can see the pattern of their life. That's why it's so important to be a part of a local church. But we look for the fruit. What's the fruit that we're looking for? Well, you've heard of the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But before that, before that list, there's, a, there's another list of the deeds of the flesh. Things like sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and the list goes on. So that's, that's a list to go to, to evaluate the character of the messenger or even the Beatitudes. Does, does their life show a, a growing adherence to experiencing the blessings of the Beatitudes? Now, Jesus, I don't think he's trying to say, look for the perfect preacher, uh, because there, there aren't any. Uh, there's one, his name's Jesus, but there wouldn't be any if he's saying, look for the perfect one. No, he's not talking about perfection, but does their life uh, display a pattern? Does, does the messenger, is the messenger more concerned about the external show, what they look like, making an impression maybe, or... Or are they meek? Are they more concerned for the things of God? Even you think about Jesus. What was he always concerned with? He was always concerned with what God's heart was. He was always concerned to do the will of the Father. He never was doing anything for his own benefit. He was seeking to obey the Father. He was constantly about the Father's business. Does the messenger display a pattern of humility, of repentance? So no one can be the perfect preacher, for example, but do they display repentance in their life when confronted with sin by the Holy Spirit, uh, either in their prayer time or through the voice of another? Do they, do they ask for forgiveness? Do they show a humble heart? Those are things that we want to look for, not perfection, but a, a pattern of humility and repentance. And as we consider these things, I think it's helpful for us, before we go, yes, that person is a false prophet. No, they're not. I think it's helpful for us, particularly in the day and age in which we live where everyone is quick to criticize everyone else that we consider the fruit in, in our own life. Because Jesus says in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
That's sobering. That's not simply a message just for people who teach the Bible. Because Jesus says later in Matthew 12, starting at verse 33, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, you can, you can speak good when you are evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Even this process of discerning false messengers, let's, let's evaluate ourselves first. Not that we want to have an overemphasis on sin in our life. We certainly want to have the emphasis on Christ, but we want to evaluate ourselves. We want to consider where, where is it that I need to grow? Are there, are there ways that I'm being critical that I'm not even dealing with in my own life? Am I even being a hypocrite even in thinking about these things? Because there's a danger in our day to see that the problem exists on the outside, even outside the church. They're the problem. They're the reason that our country is going down into the toilet. They're the one, they're the one, and then never evaluate ourselves. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's gone to be with the Lord in his day in the 50s, 60s, 70s, when his, he was doing preaching ministry, he said the greatest trouble at this present moment is the worldly state of the church. We should be much more concerned about the state of the church herself than about the state of the world outside the church. Now, in making that statement, that doesn't mean that they're there isn't a great need for the gospel and we shouldn't be out sharing the gospel. Absolutely we should. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be out making, you know, caring for particular needs that are out there and ministering to people. That's not what he's, he's not saying only focus on the church. But he is saying that Christians can get into a rhythm and a pattern of thinking that the evil exists outside the church and never address sinful patterns in their own life. So, let us not be individuals who just bring judgment on straw men and women who are speaking truth and say they're the ones that are evil before we evaluate before us. May we, may we be the ones, rather than saying they're the problem, say, Lord, Father, forgive me. I'm the greatest sinner that I know. Thank you for your grace that was given to me at the cross of Christ. Let the lens of our eyes change to see the world through Christ. So when we make those assessments, we make them graciously and not motivated by judgment or self-righteousness. Because there's gonna be the temptation to just like cut people off. I mean, that's just part of the culture. That's the air that we're breathing. So we wanna evaluate character, but let's evaluate our character. But also, we, as we, after we do that, we, we do need to be discerning. Jesus says he's warning. He says, beware of false prophets. Because when we listen to something that's not true, we can form our lives around that false truth rather than around the truth that's in the gospel and in his 
word. So we need to be wise and consider not only the teacher's character, but to consider what the teacher is saying. What is the message that's being said? Whether it's from an individual, particular teacher, or messages that are just coming at us constantly. I mean, in our pockets, we carry devices in which we could read messages for the next hundred years and not exhaust all the messages that are coming at us. And so there are some things we can look for. We, it's, it's much easier to be a student of truth than a student of all the things that are out there trying to win our affections or deceive us. So there are some warning signs we want to look at. But before we even look at those warning signs, I want to just say this. Let's, let's not be quick to, to label someone a false messenger because they disagree with us on secondary matters. In the Christian community, people can be born again believers that love Jesus and they're going to heaven and we can disagree with them on certain matters. Someone isn't a false prophet just because they don't adhere to every single jot and tittle of our doctrinal statement or our personal practices. Let us not say, well, this person over here, we're kind of on the same page for like nine of 10 things, but this other thing, they're just anathema. They, they, that's the wrong thing. Friends, let's, let's be discerning about what are the things that are most important, even in this process. So here are some warning signs. Warning sign of someone who's a false messenger, false teacher. Uh, uh, when the Bible is not the foundation of their message. 2 Timothy 3, 16 17, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Okay, if the messenger doesn't ever reference the Bible, I think it's wise to just kind of take a step back. Is this something that I should fully embrace? Is this something I should be, be more discerning about? before I listen further or before I kind of put my, you know, life in order. I remember going with one of my children uh, as they were looking for uh, churches when they were going off to school. We visited a few churches just to help them in the discernment process. And we sat down in a service and the pastor began to speak. And this was the title of this message. I'm just kind of paraphrasing it. But it was something like the five lessons that I learned from remodeling my house. So a little, a little flag went up right there. But I was like, okay, we're just, we're just gonna, we're gonna listen, hear it out. And, and as, as he went through his message and told a bunch of clever stories, and he was dressed a whole lot cooler than I am right now, and as, as he talked through it, uh, never once did he open uh, his Bible. And uh, at one time, he did quote the, the scriptures. I knew he quoted the scriptures because I'm familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and I've, I've heard it enough times. I kind of pseudo-memorized it, right? So I knew he referenced that at some point, but he did. anyone present who didn't know their Bibles wouldn't have even known that he was referencing loosely the Bible. So that was kind of like the only showing. He never mentioned Jesus and 
and closed. And then we sang a song and we left. And I remember us leaving going, did that just happen? I mean, it felt good. It had lots of emotions to it, but there was no Bible. And that's not just something when you hear a message online or in person we should be uh, attentive to. We should be attentive to that as we listen to things. Is this thing that I'm giving lots of time listening to pointing me back to the truth of God's word or is it just charging my emotions? Is it getting me all fired up in my feelings? We should have feelings. We should express feelings. That's part of how God has made us. I'm not saying we should be like boring, feelingless people. But is God's word the foundation of the message? Secondly, you know, something to, to look out for is, is the message comfy? Are they de-emphasizing the substitutionary death and atonement of Christ? I know those are big words. Is the gospel present in the message? More so than that, is the gospel central to the message that's being communicated? Are they just opening up the Bible and jumping from there to something that they want to talk about? Or is, is the, the emphasis on, on Scripture, are they taking us to Christ? The false prophet will, will reference Christ. False teacher might even talk about Christ in moral terms. Oh, he's a good guy, did some good things. He loved people. But Jesus lived a perfect life so that he could go to the cross and make propitiation for our sins. I love talking about that word in our church uh, because propitiation is a biblical word. It reminds us that when Jesus went to the cross, he, he turned God's wrath away from us. If we find ourselves in Christ, God's wrath is no longer focused on us for our sin, the sins that we've committed, because Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for that sin. But it's bigger than that, because Jesus lived a perfect life. There's blessing that comes from living a perfect life. And we experience that blessing because there was a great exchange that took place at the cross. And that we can anticipate eagerly Christ's return because he's going to take us and gather us to be with him in eternity. We do not have a relationship with God or have the benefit of that relationship with God without Christ. Christ must be central. So God's word and Christ. Because false prophets, they'll talk about God even say beautiful things about him, or they will moralize the teachings of Jesus. But we must understand the significance of Christ and what he has done. So you should see a sighting of the cross every time you hear a message. You should see a sighting of Jesus. If not, have it be the central focus of the entire message. So, Bible, the foundation, the gospel, and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
the false teacher often avoids the final judgment and the eternal destiny of the lost. So the, the judgment of God is real. God wouldn't be just if there wasn't judgment. And one who doesn't mention that judgment is going to teach people not to rescue because there's nothing to be rescued from. And so that's something that may, may not be the focal point of every message, or but, it's, but if they don't ever talk about it, that's something that would, should, could kind of set your mind off. I mean, there, there are some movements out there. Jehovah's Witness. And that don't believe in judgment. That's a question to ask if someone's a part of a, of a so-called church movement. Like, talk with them. What, what do you believe about hell? Do you believe it's real? Jesus talks a lot about it. Talks about the place of the weeping and gnashing of teeth. It should sober us. Is that, is that a part of their, their bank of teaching, or do they completely ignore it or minimize it, saying it's just not, not there? Something else that they avoid is the fallenness of mankind. Apart from God's grace, we're unable to come out of the horrible condition of being separated from him because we are sinful, because we're in the line of Adam. Now, a false teacher won't, they won't say everyone is perfect. But they won't emphasize the seriousness of sin or its consequences in both this life and in eternity. It's often kind of like swept under the rug. I know I've seen, seen interviews. I remember seeing a pastor of one of the largest churches in the country um, talking with a host, maybe it was a Oprah or someone like that, and he said, you know, we don't, we don't emphasize, we don't talk about sin. We just, we just talk about the love of God. Should we talk about God's love? Absolutely, we should talk about God's love. But God's love is most profoundly seen in the truth of 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If we don't understand the fallenness of man, we won't understand the glory of what Christ has done. So it should be there in the bank of teaching over time. And then it just kind of goes further because they don't focus on sin. They avoid a call to repentance, the call to come out of a life of sin, to live righteously. So avoiding also the subject of righteousness and holiness. So they won't talk about the suffering that's there. Take up your, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. If you are going to follow Jesus, and there may be some here listening online, some present who haven't trusted in Christ. I'm not here to tell you, here, come follow Jesus. The life of a Christian is just super easy, and your life is going to get a bunch better. No, it's, it's going to get harder. Because this world is not our home. Our home is in heaven with Christ where everything is going to be absolutely amazing because Jesus is going to be the one that's on the throne and everything is going to be done perfectly. Uh, there won't be any news apps 
uh, that will have negative things on it because all we're going to be talking about is Jesus. You know, if there are news apps in heaven, they'll be like, Jesus is on the throne. Everything is awesome. Not because you heard that in Legos. So some of you are like, oh, yeah. No, like, like that, that kind of is the theme in heaven. It is. Not, not in Lego, not in the, the false Lego world, in the real world of heaven. Because he's the prince of peace, and that's the place where we'll find peace. He's the king of kings, so no one will rule wrongly. He'll never lose his throne, so we don't ever have to have an election anymore. There will always be justice because he rules justly. Oh, it's going to be a great place. That's our home. So, and, and, then, and then lastly, uh, the, the false teacher avoids specific, being specific in doctrine. They often speak in generalities, don't want to commit to something, don't want to say anything that might hurt the feelings of someone else. Nope, I don't want to say everything. I had a conversation with my daughter recently. We saw a sign for a particular place where people go to, um, to, to meet. And she's like, hey, I've, I've heard that before. What is that? I was like, well, you know, uh, you know I, don't, I don't know them there, but I know uh, people who have, have been a part of kind of groups like that, and they pretty much just believe everything is okay. But yeah, every, every, like everything is okay. They don't really say anything that's going to ruffle anybody's feathers. Everything is fine. You know, the false teacher will say, Every, everyone is fine, you're fine, we love you, uh, we're not going to say anything that, that's going to ruffle your feathers. For, th- there's no one in this room that would say that a parent is loving by telling their child, hey, do whatever you want. I, you know, I just, we don't want to tell you anything that's just going to ruffle your feathers. You know, hey, whatever you want. If it's in the fridge, just, just go ahead and make sure you just tell us, you know, if there's not something there, because we'd be more than happy to just go get it for you. No, everyone, we'd be like, that is a bad parent. That is a parent that is setting their child up to be the center of the universe and actually giving them things that are not helpful. That's not God's love. But God is love. And in this we know love, that he loved us by sending his son for us. So we want to get specific about doctrinal truth. We aren't going to say all is well because disaster is looming and we have the wonderful message of the gospel to tell people. Now I've worked really hard not to bring up specific names of Preachers of churches. I've done that intentionally. I know at some points it's felt like, hey, just give me a name. Just give me a name. So we don't ever have to listen to them. I want you to be a discerning church. It's not about what I think. I want you to open God's word. And study his word. That's how you're going to be discerning. The more you spend time in here, uh, the more it's going to be easy to discern. And most importantly, the more time you spend knowing the perfect prophet, Jesus, the easier it is going to be to discern when messages are false, 
whether they're coming through some online medium or through songs that you listen to or through preachers that you hear. Because the call of this is a warning. It's not, okay, church, you have been equipped. Now let's go look under every single bush. If I don't see any grapes or they look nasty, they're just done. We're done with them. Yes, I just threw a grape. No, we're, we're not to go looking for false preachers under rocks. No, just beware. Beware of falling rocks. Beware there's nasty jelly beans out there that look like good ones. But don't be overly concerned with them. Be overly concerned with the one who teaches with authority. If you kind of go back to your Bibles and kind of go to the last two verses of the chapter, even though we're going to finish out the Sermon on the Mount next week, this is what the last two verses of the Sermon on the Mount say. Verse 28 and 29, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. As we focus our attention on Christ, he's the one who lived perfectly, flawlessly. His character spoke for itself. When you were around him, you didn't feel judged. You felt loved. Yet he had this ability to share things that brought immediate conviction. Those who found themselves in patterns of sin felt conviction and love because they encountered Christ. And those whose hearts were hard, that they were living far from God in their religiosity, he had some words to share with them. Let's look to Christ because when he speaks, it's always from God. It's always the message from God that we need to hear. It's always true. So the best messengers that are out there, they're the ones that point us to Christ. They're the ones that point us to the Christ who's revealed in this word. They're the ones that point us to to Christ's finished work, which includes his life, his death, his resurrection, and his return. Those are the true preachers. Because even after Jesus wrote this, he lived or said these words, he he lived his life and he left, but he sent his Holy Spirit to be in us. So you don't have to walk around going, I'm kind of worried. I don't know if I want to listen. Just embrace Christ. Embrace his word. If you have questions, if you're like, I'm not sure about that. Well, why don't you talk to your small group leader about that? Talk to other, talk to Wes and I would love to talk with you. Those that have been elders, those who, who former elders, and we'd love to have a conversation with you if you're having trouble discerning if this message or this messenger that you've been listening to, uh, and we just have a conversation about it, not to pick them apart, but to say, hey, where do you see Christ? How are they opening up God's word? It, that We should have conversations about these things. So beware, friends. There are messages coming at you that are going to evoke your emotions. Some are political, some are practical. 
Many are going to come from individuals that look really good. Let's press into Christ so that when we hear things, we go, hmm, not sure about that. Let me go back to the Word and see what the Word has to say. I'm not, you know, let me consider Christ and what Christ has done. Let me go back to Christ as I interpret this song. Let's focus on Christ. And that's what we're going to do this morning. As, as we close this message, we are going to take communion together so that we can focus on Christ because that's the place for us to be. And I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And they are going to have the elements up here as kind of is our custom when we do uh, communion. And as the worship team plays in the background, uh, you can come forward to get the elements and take them back to your seat. And then we're going to take them together. But in the process, as people are coming forward, if you need some time to consider your own heart so that you don't come in an unworthy manner, do that. Take the time. We're not going to rush. But then when you're ready, I want you to come forward. And if you're here this morning and you haven't trusted in Christ, I'd encourage you to just kind of consider Christ at your seat. And I'd love to talk with you afterwards about knowing Jesus. So friends, this morning, let's, let's turn our gaze and our attention to the perfect prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just take a moment to just pray and then, then come forward and you're ready to take the elements. And then, then I'll come back up and we'll take we'll take the elements together. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.